This session of ADHD contains graphic descriptions of violence, gore, or sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. And as always, we hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome to Adventuring Dimwits and Hyperactive Dragons, aka ADHD and D. Tonight, we're doing a little bit of Gideon's backstory. So, Carson, why don't you introduce your character? <laughs> hey, I'm uh, Carson. I will be playing the Morningstar, Paladin, uh, and currently in this backstory, new general of the Commonwealth, and Kelstar. Um, he will have recently been promoted after having won in combat against the previous general, and he will be stepping into the role of governing Lootpool. Yeah, I don't- I don't know if in recordings we've ever discussed the the promotion system for generals. You've had the Commonwealth feature mostly antagonistically, um, and obviously at the very beginning um, with Skell's story, first five or so episodes. But uh, it will be the first time we've really delved into... Um, I guess the procedure and and culture of the Commonwealth from a Commonwealth lens. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So, hmm. Jackie, who will you be playing tonight? I will be playing Evie. Um, he is Gideon's tiefling assistant, and we worked it out that. Gideon had saved him from Commonwealth soldiers uh, who were just going to just kill him. Yeah, um, he had discussed that while Gideon was still campaigning, um, while I don't don't know where tieflings might have been located on Kelstar, probably one of the free countries, um, but uh, that EB is a tiefling who is generationally from Amon. So as to not have, you know, multiples that have broken through the rift barrier. Um, but um, while campaigning uh, near in like a border skirmish near one of the free cities or uh, free countries, a tiefling was um, made vulnerable throughout the, the skirmish and some Commonwealth soldiers were just going to um, kill him even though he was defenseless and Gideon stepped in and stopped them as their commander, and um, maybe kind of took it upon themselves to um, wear a bit of a debt to Gideon, and Gideon brought them on as an, uh, brought him on as an assistant, um, and is quite defensive of him. So did that happen before you were a general? Yes, I, I, yes, I would say so. So at this point in time, uh, they have already been together. I mean, I was thinking for at least half a year, if not longer. Okay. He is, uh, like, he's not, uh, he's, he's got uh, a human skin color. And his, uh, horns actually protrude from, like, the area on the top of his ears, and then it goes back and loops around under his ears. So it's kind of hidden with his hair. 
So if he really wants to have shaggy hair, he can pass as a human. Yeah. Unless he smiles. Does he have sharp teeth like most tieflings? Uh, I didn't think about it. Are, te- are tieflings allowed to not have fangs? I'm. Anything's allowed. Then he will not have fangs. Yeah, some, some. It looks like like tieflings' teeth are all sharp, and then some just have kind of the pronounced canine, more like a vampire type thing. So I guess it just depends on how you want to do it. That's what Haskell has. Haskell has fangs. Mm-hmm. Emal is just sharp teeth. Um. <laughs> I just had to adjust my master sheet. So you've been working as Gideon's aide for about a half a year, you said? Yeah. What was Gideon doing before he... like? What led to him basically deciding to challenge the current general of Lupul? Um, Probably um, supreme confidence uh, in his ability is what he would see it as, but... Uh, the general that he took on would probably have called it arrogance or hubris, although I guess Gideon showed him. Um, but he'd just been a successful field commander for long enough, had had enough people whisper in his ear about his talents um, and um, his ability to command um, you know, soldiers and, and lead campaigns and um, had been uh, probably kind of um, on that track for a while. Um, and the time just seemed right. Um, perhaps the general, uh, he saw what was going on in Lootpool and, uh, didn't agree with what the general there was doing. So thought it was the, the appropriate time to step in and, and thought he'd be able to, to take the spot from him and, and succeeded. So, um, this had been 15 years ago, this had been before the tower or after the tower exploded in, in, in Lootpool. It was after Shakewell's tower exploded. How long ago would that have been? Uh, that was said about 30 years before main campaign. Oh, we're so about halfway between that 15. distance. Okay. Yep, so the slum... So post the explosion of his tower, the slums very quickly, of course, went downhill because a lot of it caught on fire. And the general at the time, which is Keegan Gardner, he's the one who you replaced... He basically didn't care to try to do anything about it, so the slums just went down a lot. Because before that explosion, it wasn't actually the slums. It was a fairly decent section of town. Not rich, but it did have a wizard's tower in it, so you know it wasn't bad. So I think Gideon probably has some sympathies already towards um, the other races of Killstar that aren't. Uh, humans or dwarves um and um that stems probably from his his father's influence of of kind of steadily leaning that direction and having met and worked with some individuals like temper who uh through temper's work you know providing arms uh for the military um and kind of knowing what things are like in the slums and um just Thinking that he could do better uh, for the people of Lootpool as a general than what they were, what they had been experiencing under the previous general. Um, mm. His name is Zoltan Cool. I've decided. So... <laughs> There's already a general Cool, isn't there? Oh. That's who we there met. There is. I mean, they 
They could be brothers Cole. or something. Yeah, it's K-O-H-L, like Coles. Um, still, I'm fine. I mean, it's it's a dumb reference, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> uh, okay. What is your character's name, Jackie? Evie. Evie, as in the Pokemon? E B, as in boy. Okay. His full name is Eb Marier, but I like the nickname Evie. Okay. That's what I had to make sure because I couldn't tell when you said it whether I heard it Sorry. right or. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just one of those names. I was like, okay, I don't know this name. <laughs> <laughs> not on any of my sheets either okay oh yeah i haven't posted it that's fine it's not do you want me to post it real quick uh, you can if you want to you do not have to i mean this is a i'm planning on this okay. being three episodes basically is going to be what gideon's backstory is cool i figured this one will be a little bit of laying the ground of what gideon was doing yeah um so let's get a little bit into the 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 commonwealth's uh, system for grand generals and everything. So the way the the Commonwealth works. Sorry, I'm trying to make sure I have this right before I do anything. You're good. I for one am impatient. I know I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be getting murdered right now if you didn't want to do this. So you know, I wouldn't have had to do anything for that session. <laughs> It's like I made the right decision. Sorry, I'm you're having to work. I, I'm just... My biggest problem right now is I cannot find the name of the stupid... I should know his name. It should be memorized in my head and blazoned, but the head of the friggin' Commonwealth. <sighs> Bashar Kadir. That's it. Okay. So Bashar Kadir took over the Commonwealth probably about I'd probably about say about the same time you hit adulthood, Gideon. Um, he took it over in basically a large coup. He cut down the original leaders of the Commonwealth in almost a little bit of a civil war style around Woodchester. And so for the last 15 years, he's been trying to strengthen his position and some of what he did was actually start sending troops to Vinduin. He was the one that led to that beginning. He's also trying to he is trying to at this point, which is 15 years ago, has really started to push for basically discrimination because <laughs> the commonwealth has always been a you know fairly racist toward anyone not human or dwarf halflings get away with it a little bit but not a lot um because they're human looking for the most part and so bashar kadir would have been pushing for that in all the cities but since his main control was in woodchester early in his reign he probably hasn't gotten to loot pool until a few years before you took control like it's like i'm not saying it was any it was good. It was never good. Especially after the explosion and Keegan just let the whole city go down the drains. Now, so you have the Viceroy, Bashar Kadir, 
And then you have the general of the first order. And there are five of those, one for each of the major cities, but they don't actually live in those cities for the most part. They don't do they're the best way to describe them is they're envoys for those cities and they live in the the capital for and like our and our bashers council. Then below them, you have the two grand generals of each city, which is what Gideon is. You have the Gideon, the the Gideon. You have the Gideon of defense <laughs> and the Gideon of offense, basically. Um, so the the grand generals of each city. One is more administrative; they stay in the city, they protect the city itself. Whereas the other one is more um, front line type general. They command the army around the city and the territory. They patrol. They're the ones who are involved when there's an actual battle or war going on. So, like, when you guys got to Vindowin and you had to go kill um, Bandar Tarber, he was the Grand General of the, the... the administrative Grand General, basically. And when Gideon killed Keegan, he became the Administrative General, because the way to become a Grand General is by right of battle, basically, a duel. And it is to the death? Um, it doesn't have to be to the death, obviously, since Gideon's still alive. Um, would you leave him alive as a younger Gideon? I think so. Once a Grand General is deposed, it's not against the rules, but they never come back. Like, you don't ever see a Grand General coming back and becoming a Grand General again. A lot of that is because once a Grand General is deposed, all of his supporters flock to the new Grand General and he becomes nothing more than a an excess, a noble that has outlived his usage. That's rough. That's why, you know, that's why Gideon got sent to Vinduin. They were getting rid it's of him. A pseudo-exile dressed up as some kind of fancy mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Keegan, uh, for Keegan, it was probably more of a, oh, you have a summer home, go to it and don't come back type situation. <laughs> um, so we're going to start 15 years ago today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the year is 1998. No, that's wrong. 2008. Jeez. Oh, my uh, God. Don't do that to me. <laughs> No, wait, sorry. The year is 1997, 15 years from 2012, right? Yep, okay. (laughs) Gideon took over for Keegan, which every time I'm going to say it now, I'm just going to think of Negan. Um, (laughs) And he would have been the administrative grand general for a while, but the only problem with that is, of course, they rotate once in a while. So, shortly after becoming the the defense grand general, he was then sent out in the field, and his part. What would you call it? Your your not a partner. Your counterpart. Your, yeah, counterpart. That's a good one. Good job. Thanks, I'm buddy. proud of you. Words are good. Um, <laughs> Dad said he's proud of me. 
Good job, sport. <laughs> your <laughs> your partner right now is Leo Frick DeBall. Just went back to partner though. He complimented me on the word that he just went back to partner. <laughs> uh, so Leo Frick DeBall goes back to becoming the administrative general right after you killed Keegan, or not killed, but deposed Keegan. It's not even a, it's not deposed, it's just you replaced him. It's, this is an official way of changing hands, so. You then get sent with the army of Lootpole south to the very borders of the Commonwealth where an elven army is basically sitting on your side of the river. It's not okay. It's it's a little bit of a a gray area. About no a mile land. on e- Yeah, it's it's basically that. It's a mi- about a half mile to a mile on either side of the river is considered neutral territory because of the trade and since the two capitals of both of these nations are on the river, they kind of have to allow some of this. But when a massive army comes to your side of the river, even if they are in the neutral area, you're going to take notice and you're going to want to kind of check out what's going on. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to start for real for realsies with <laughs> Gideon EB and may and probably a a little platoon of soldiers riding to the center of this field to meet with the elven head general. There's a tent set up in the middle of this field and it's like a nice cool crisp spring morning as you ride up to this tent and the the elven general is standing there with his wife next to him. And, you know, they have their own retinue of guards and everything. But they just stand waiting for you to come parlay with them. So, what do you do? <laughs> I guess he does nothing. Kenyon <laughs> just stands there. <laughs> you still here, Carson? <laughs> um, did we lose him? I think so. How long ago did we lose him? <laughs> I don't know. Um, can I? I want to say one thing. Yeah. Um, so, EB is an aberrant mind sorcerer. Ooh, okay. And part of that is he gets telepathic speech hmm. with one person. And it says, like, it, it takes a bonus action, but that's during combat. So, um, you have to, like, make a connection with one other person. So, Evie and, uh, Gideon are constantly linked so that they have that connection. Okay. Um. So, in situations where, like, he needs to know a name, you can literally just put it into his mind. Yeah. Cool. And, uh... I also do have the spell Comprehend Languages hmm. because That's he also useful. works as a translator for Gideon mm-hmm. if he needs it. That is definitely very useful. He says that his computer is struggling. He needs a moment. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. We just went through and, and picked his spells 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, before, because I I had his stats done, but I didn't have anything else done. I I swear I thought that I finished his his uh. Um, that's the wrong person. Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Brett jumps on to say something and then he okay he's muted I was gonna say he jumps on to say something and then he can't get his mic to work anyways okay so I was trying to download download audacity and I think it was more than my computer could handle all at the same time so oh yeah yeah that makes sense I I think I'm back that's right yeah you got back just in time because as soon as Jackie was done talking about whatever they were talking about I was gonna start going into some dungeon world stuff uh wow I'm kidding (laughs) No, I was actually looking up ab- aberrant mind sorcerers. They've been on my list. I, I told him about the telepathic link that we have, and that he, I also work as your translator. You mentioned it. the three-minute time limit. Oh, it's is it three it's minutes? Four. I thought it was four. But it it lasts between three and four minutes. So it's basically it can only exist with one person Sorcerer at times. But there's no limit on how many times you can use it. So it's just kind of constantly being reset um yeah it's basically i would count it as like the message freaking cantrip because i mean yeah yeah there's no limit so oh the number of miles is equal to the charisma modifier which would be a four the number of minutes is equal to your sorcerer level so that's what it is oh okay Uh, did you did you tell him about the the source of your aberrant mind abilities I didn't. I wasn't sure if we I wanted to get into gnarly. that. It should be discussed. <laughs> Which one is it? What is it? Okay, so it's the um, mind flare tadpole. No, Darn. it's the the parasitic <laughs> twin. Oh. But here's the thing. So my background is haunted one, and the haunted mm-hmm. aspect is an apparition that has haunted your family for generations now haunts you. You don't know what it wants, but it won't leave you alone. So the parasite gets passed down through the bloodline. And that apparition was born into Eby's twin, but Eby consumed the twin in utero. So now there's like a tumor inside Eby or something, and it creates an apparition. I should introduce that... you to this guy who also has something coming from his family for generations, but he's a time cop. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool I like that a lot uh, yeah I have uh, Zane is a haunted one background alright so what did what was the last uh, thing uh, you heard Gideon I, I heard the elven general was, was standing in the tent that is the last thing that I heard okay so the elven gen- general with his wife is standing in the tent um, and then you guys ride up and dismount to parlay basically it's there hasn't been any offensive action it's just more of why are you here i have an army you have an army let's not turn this into something type situation it's time for that smooth talk gideon yeah time for that smooth talk so gideon dismounts his horse he leaves he leaves his weapons um on on in his saddlebags or, you know, on his horse, um, and, and approaches and is, um, taking care not to, you know, be provocative in any sense, uh, doesn't, doesn't want to start anything. This is, this is supposed to be, you know, a parlay. So, um, he, he's mindful of that. Um, 
and um, as he's approaching, he says, um, can't help but notice <laughs> your men there on the, um, your soldiers there on our side of the river. We are still within the neutral zone. You are, but you surely understand that this raises our hackles. Makes us anxious. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Where are my manners? Um, Bradford, I'm getting Morningstar. I was just promoted to general um, in the recent months. He kind of turns up his nose a little bit and goes, yes, I've heard of your promotion, as you call it. You don't agree with the way we do things? simply barbaric if you ask me it does some good to have fresh blood moving through the ranks make sure ideas don't stagnate for too long there's easy ways to do that that don't involve combat (laughs) it just seems like whoever's physically the strongest will become your leader and that well that might be good for us in the long run and he smirks a little bit whom do I have the, the pleasure of speaking? He bows faintly and just says, Miron Evermist. And this is my lovely wife, Dahlia. Dahlia, you see, is human. Uh, I think Gideon's gaze lingers on Dahlia for a little bit longer. Um, and he maybe tilts his head just a little bit, quirks an eyebrow. That's curious. Um General Evermist, uh, I'm, I apologize, I'm, I'm not familiar with your titles. General De- will work just fine. Um, obviously, I would prefer that no blood is shed. Um, I, I mainly came out here to meet you to determine what your intentions are for... You're in the neutral zone, but you have to understand that whenever... An enemy force of this size comes to occupy territory so close to our borders, it it makes us antsy, and and I would appreciate um, coming to an understanding about what it is exactly you hope to accomplish by moving this force here. Well, Gideon, we are just here to perform maneuvers. We wanted to practice coming across bodies of water. (laughs) This is the best one. Um, I want to roll inside. Okay. We're just doing it in Discord. Yeah, that's fine. I need you to just discern realities, Gideon. Um. Sayest. <laughs> Can I also roll inside? Yes, please? that's fine. Go ahead. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Brett's all like, I, I'm not going to play, but I can spy on you guys. Not a, not at all a nerd. <laughs> That's a sixteen for Evie. Man, twelve for Gideon. Goods. Uh... <laughs> I've switched, Brett. I've switched Gideon's dexterity and wisdom scores for this since it takes place so far in the past. He's still quite spry, so his dexterity is better. But he hasn't exactly learned everything he has in the main campaign. So, Gideon, you think he's pretty straightforward with you. It doesn't seem like he's lying to you at all, I would say. Um, 
EB, you don't think he's lying, but you can tell there's more than just simple maneuvers to this. Um, maybe it's more of a testing of the waters type situation. Mm. So I'm going to use my telepathic speech, my link with Gideon, to speak to him. He's hiding something, or he's trying to push boundaries to see how you'll react. General Evermist, I... You have to understand the position this puts me in. Whether you're just performing maneuvers or you're perhaps gathering intel, um, my authority as a general is still fairly fresh. And I'm afraid I I can't allow you to remain in this position. I would really prefer that this didn't come to conflict. I don't think it does either of us any good. But... I'm going to need you and your troops to move back to the other side of the river. We will. Don't need to worry about that. <laughs> I'm assuming you won't do so with any haste. Is that correct? He gives you like a mock innocent look. Oh, well, an army this size takes a while to get moving. Yes, yes, Obviously, I'm aware. You know that. I'm aware how long it takes troops to move. I mean, how long did it take for you to come all the way down here from Loophole? Weeks, at least. His wife, like, leans in and whispers something into his ear, and he, he chuckles a little bit, and then pulls, like, takes a step towards you. General Morningstar, we will return to our side. If your army wants to sit there and watch us, Maybe they could learn something from us while we practice our maneuvers. Well, perhaps that's for the best. It wouldn't do for you to be the only one who gleaned something from all of this. Um, yes. Go ahead. <clears throat> go ahead. I think... And he takes another step. He's probably like within arm's reach of you, and he kind of... It turns a little bit away from you, but says softly, and I believe it's in our best interest to promote situations where conflict does not arise, where we don't need it to. Maybe it could look for the best if our two armies were seen leaving in peace. Gideon speaks through his telepathic bond, and uh, Gideon Gideon and E.B. speak in Dwarvish whenever they speak through their mm. uh, telepathic bond. Um, and he says, is it okay if I reveal to him what you are? What purpose would that serve? It might do, might do him some good to understand that not everyone from the Commonwealth is cut from the same cloth. That fresh blood entering the ranks, entering the leadership, has a chance to promote actual change. I understand. Go ahead. General Evermist, things can change in the Commonwealth. I assure you, I want nothing more than for our two forces not to come to blows. I don't, I don't relish in the senseless shedding of blood and... If you take a close look at my attendant, 
You might notice something about them that surprises you. Evie brushes the the sides of his hair behind his ears, revealing his horns. Uh, General Evermist glances at E.B. and like the light of recognition flashes through his eyes and then he kind of goes blank faced and just nods softly. Then maybe this will work out to the best of both of our situations. Gideon extends a hand. <laughs> he <laughs> he looks at it and frowns for a <laughs> second and oh yes human gestures um i think gideon actually withdraws his head after that and bows (laughs) mimicking (laughs) he bows back just a little bit deeper than the last time and then he turns away and walks back to his wife and then stops and says as long as we are cordial why don't you come and dine with my wife and i tomorrow night would like that we'll meet here again of course not wouldn't want oh the the dangers of a general coming into an enemy's camp you know gideon nods he he turns and walks away and his guards follow his wife glances at you with kind of like a kind of a intense gaze for a second as if she's trying to decide if she should trust you and then just walks follows him gideon meets her gaze until she turns i don't think he would want he would want to show it outwardly but i think gideon's size like almost through the telepathic bond he's relieved at how at how all of this went it could have gone so much worse mm-hmm. um, good job boss it's not over yet well of course not you've got a dinner <laughs> dinner date the elves do they do provide a tempting offer their feasts are usually well i'm sometimes envious of their culinary practices eb i i trust you'll be joining me i guess that's more a question for orion but uh, i'm 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 going to at least try to bring eb unless you know they take umbrage yeah, I mean, you're a general. You're you're. They're gonna expect you to have an aide de camp or something with you. I don't think they would expect you to show up alone. They might not expect your Sweet. aide to like sit down and eat with them. But then again, who knows? They don't know all the customs of human generals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So thank you, Eb, for for trusting me to share that with them. I. I think that did make a difference for what it's worth. Anytime. So we go to the next night. The The elven army early in the morning starts practicing formations and like I feel like it's very obvious it's all for show. Like none of these formations as a general you're watching these from like the hilltop overlooking this entire area and you can tell that these formations are they're ceremonial formations they're not actual (laughs) you would not see these in an actual fight because they would be dumb and they would be slaughtered (laughs) i mean gideon's fought against the covenant enough to know to know that certainly yeah um but then the next evening comes around and 
their army has settled back down for the evening. Um, there's there's a lot of tension. I think more in your camp than anything else at the moment. But Gideon has spent the last um, you know that that night he informed he was very adamant to his troops that there is to be to be alert but to take it absolutely no further show no sign of aggression do not provoke any kind of of conflict whatsoever yeah and i think they they listen for now and like there is that tension and there is that like the guards are a little bit keep a tight hold on their weapons and their eyes don't falter like usually in a, a large military camp you'd know there'd be some lazy guards but almost all of them are alert and just waiting to see if something happens and then you see a procession of like elves riding to the tent and setting up table a table and chairs and then like you see them like set up a big fire pit and start cooking food on this fire pit. And then other elves bring platters to this area and then it's time for dinner. And <laughs> you see General Evermist and his wife ride out to the tent and he he helps her off of her horse and then they go and sit and just wait for you. Gideon is in his golden commonwealth general armor but he has a um like i'm not sure what it's called um like from his left pauldron at his shoulder he has like a purple like it's not a cape because it only covers that arm but um you know um do you know what i'm talking about uh, the piece of cloth you know that comes off of from from the pauldron covering his left arm um, and of course he is not wearing, uh, his weapons. Um, it's, I mean, it's just like a shoulder cape or a half cape type thing, right? right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like you, you would see in the three musketeers or something. <laughs> All right. So you and EB ride down with your own assortment of guards, um, and of course, the guards like set up a semicircle on your side of the tent, while there's elven guards on in a semicircle around their side of the tent. And you can tell like the guards are tense, <laughs> and the situation is tense. I'm just gonna see, keep saying tense because it's also in a tent. Um, Goodness gracious! But That's so bad, I you would think I am the one who said it. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um. <laughs> but General Evermist doesn't seem to show any sort of hesitation. He immediately stands to greet you as you arrive, and his wife, his his wife remains seated, but she has like a light smile as he bows to you and gestures for you to take a seat. And like two elven servants draw your chair back. Gideon returns the bow and uh bows also um the general evermist's wife um uh, you know a bit shallower um but certainly an acknowledgement of her presence i think eb follows gideon's uh, lead uh hit, general evermist looks at gideon and goes uh will your and then glances at eb and goes will your friend be dining with us tonight as well it um Perhaps seems a bit odd, but yes, I would I would like like him to join us. Um, if you don't have any um, 
any issue with that. He shakes his head. No, no issue. Um, <laughs> make a perception roll for me, Gideon. You can too, Eb. It's a seventeen for Eb. Of course, that my modifier too. That's uh going to be a fifteen for Gideon. That's good enough. Um, you didn't notice it at first. But as you seat yourselves, you all of a sudden realize that, like, off to the corner to the tent and, like, kind of slightly behind two guards is a young, probably a a teenage female elf just sitting, reading a book. And, like, she glances over at you guys and quickly glances away. Um, she looks very much like her parents, who are the ones sitting across from you at the moment. General Evermiss says, I, d- I hope you don't mind that my daughter Ada is here with us tonight. Oh, no, of course. No, of course wow. not. <laughs> but she's not seated at this table. She's kind of off somewhere else. Yeah, she's she's like there just to be there, but not actually involved in the dinner. She, she eats at random hours, usually food that she... Th- steals away from the kitchens you know how it is with teenagers she's always sneaking out and he shakes his head and kind of looks down anyways forgive me i'm going to show my ignorance but i i know the behavior of teenagers well i have many who serve under me but what exactly constitutes a teenager in elven years well, she's she's only a half-elf, so I guess technically just teenager. <laughs> she's only she's only 15. But you you humans and you age so quickly even with elven blood in you. I <clears throat> I can't imagine what it must make you think of us. Well, we must seem so rash. Um but we try to make the most of the time that we have. Yes, there are some amongst the the nobles of the Jazrael Covenant that would that would agree that humans are rash and they they're not around long enough to make good decisions, and that's why we should be the ones in charge. But he glances at his wife again and goes. Obviously, I'm not of the same mindset as them. Hence, I'm married to a human. And you, you are part of the Commonwealth and have a a tiefling close to you. We were skirmishing. But we are getting... We are getting into some serious talk... On empty stomachs, and he, like, claps his hands, and a couple of the servants starts bringing out plates to you guys. <laughs> and I think he, he kind of stays away from the serious talk while you eat, like, the first course of this meal. But then, like, the servants clear the plates, and he goes, I don't know how humans do their their, their meals, but we like to take some time in between them to to talk, to get to know our guests. Or would you like to know? You know. 
well, I think now is the time for the story of your your companion here. We were skirmishing. Um, what what are uh, where where what of the free countries would have been most likely to have hosted um, EB's you know, family? Um, I mean, your your best bet would be to be skirmishing with some Soro Empire people, probably. Because to go for the Endemir, you'd have to go really far east, and I don't think Gideon would have served time there. Would it have been possible to have been skirmishing with the Covenant just on kind of the border and just a, yeah. a border town? have gotten kind of wrapped up in it? Yeah, because, like, I, Tieflings aren't seriously, like, they're a somewhat rare race, despite the amount of Tieflings we have in our campaigns. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're fairly rare, and... So like, but they have like little enclaves here and there where they would have some populations or they just kind of exist wherever they can. So it would be just as likely for you to have met EB in a little town along the, the borders of the Jazrael Covenant. And maybe they were passing themselves off as human there or even elf there. I mean, yeah. I don't think we have to hammer down like an exact location or anything. It's just... Yeah, you. I, yeah, I, I was just trying to kind of contextualize it. Um, yep. We haven't spent just a ton of time in Kelstar, so I think fleshing it out is a good opportunity to flesh it out, maybe a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, um, it could have even been a little skirmish inside your own borders with bandits while you're protecting your city or something. Like, it didn't have to be with another government, even. So, um, yeah, I think I actually like that a little bit better. Um, and perhaps the bandits had even been harassing. Um, this, this smaller settlement and Gideon took it upon himself to even though they had left ostensibly the um, Commonwealth's you know wars and were leaving the Commonwealth seemingly alone Gideon pushed it forward anyway to try to take care of the bandits um, he, he has always had a pretty strong sense of justice um, and I think that actually comes in equal measure from from his parents um, mm-hmm Although his father at this point in time would not have been leaning quite as far into his, uh, what would be considered his radical tendencies in uh, the time of the the main campaign. But he's probably starting to lean that way. Um, Is your father still alive in the main campaign time, Mary? Absolutely. Okay. It is terrifying to me as as a player that Gideon's father is still in the Commonwealth right now. I hadn't even thought about that. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't talked to you about it for for a reason. If I'm honest, for some reason, I was always picturing him as just not being alive anymore. <laughs> Both of his parents are alive. Yeah, that, his, no, that makes sense. I mean, you're not that old. <laughs> his mother is retired and still in good standing um, mm. in the Commonwealth. She, oh, uh, yeah. she, she has she trained um, new recruits um, when Gideon was younger. That's where he learned to fight. Um, and, and in various tournaments, um, she fought with a sword and shield in various tournaments. She was, um, a consecutive, um, champion of the sword and shield competition in tournaments in the Commonwealth, uh, when Gideon was growing up. Um, so she is now retired and basically on a government stipend and, um, Gideon's father, um, at this point in time, she's probably getting ready to retire, but in the time of the main campaign, she is retired. And Gideon's father is an inventor who um, enjoyed the resources um, that 
the Commonwealth threw at him to be able to create, but steadily as he saw what the Commonwealth did with the inventions that he made, um, grew more and more jaded with, with serving the Commonwealth, uh, and eventually, through a, a collaboration uh, through their government work, befriended Temper, and um, so there's there's a common link there, uh, especially in Loopool. But they actually live in the uh, the main capital city of the Commonwealth, the Gideon's parents. They live in Worcester. Yes, that's where Gideon okay. hails from. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I remember that. Okay, yeah. <sighs> hmm. Um. So they're in Woodchester. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. All of your ideas. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. We were we were skirmishing with bandits along the border before I was a general. And um, is it is it the Soro or Soros? Soro. Um. Is it S O R O? In Soro Empire, is it an empire? Uh, they differ depending on who you ask, whether it's the Soro Kingdom or the Soro Empire. Okay, uh, I'll, I'm just going to say Soro Territory then. We were skirmishing uh, <laughs> along the border and um, <laughs> with some bandits who had been raiding in Commonwealth Territory, and uh, they crossed the border into Soro, and I had my men pursue them because banditry is, is not something that can be can be tolerated. Um, people who hurt others just for their own gain is—it's a despicable act. And um, so we pursued them um, into Soro, and along the way, um, throughout the skirmish, E.B. found himself in a vulnerable position, and I stumbled upon a few of my soldiers who were getting prepared to. Um, well, I shudder to think what would have happened to E.B. if I hadn't stumbled upon them when I did, and I commanded them to back off, and um, they did with some reluctance. Hmm. But um, E.B. has been at my side since then. I I found a position for him, and um, I I like to keep an eye on him. I don't I don't know how many people in the Commonwealth know what he is, but I know there are rumors. Uh, at the very least, but as long as E.B. is is by my side, I intend to um, keep him safe, and he has been a loyal companion, and is responsible, I believe, for some of my more progressive um, beliefs now, and his wisdom and counsel uh in my experience, is beyond reproach. I would not be in the position I am in now without E.B. at my side. Evermist has been, like, leaning in and nodding along with this, and, like, near the end, his wife leans into his ear and whispers something to him, and he nods. He goes, that's... Seems we are alike, General Morningstar. Gideon smiles broadly. My my wife here is a refugee from Woodchester. Uh, I think Gideon, um, uh, you know, stares 
for a moment and sizes her up, maybe trying to see if, if he possibly recognizes her, although it's unlikely the population is quite large uh, in the capital city. But mm-hmm. um, Yeah. She, she, uh, she, hmm, she was taken advantage of from most of her childhood, he says, and like glances at her. And when she finally pushed back, they, well, and he, he, he glances at her again. And then you see him actually sign something with his fingers and she nods and she like her dress has been like a high neck kind of very regal looking dress. And now she pulls down the neck and you notice like a slit across her throat. She can't speak above a whisper. So I've had to learn thieves can't, if you can believe it. Uh, Not just because of her, but because she taught our daughter. And now I have to make sure I know what she's (laughs) saying. And he glances over at <laughs> Ada, and um, when the scar on his wife's neck is revealed, I think Gideon very lowly growls, um, but he chuckles um, at the comment about, um, is it Ada or Ava? I'm sorry. Um, Ada. Ada. A D A. Like Ada Wong from Resident Evil. But um, (laughs) it helps me to have a a point of reference. I shouldn't forget that again. But anyway. um, It's fine. Uh, He chuckles at the comments about uh, Ada using Thieves Can't. um, And says, yes, um, teenagers, right? Yes. But... uh... I rescued her while my, (laughs) and he chuckles, he goes, while my platoon was on maneuvers in the neutral zone. (laughs) Then he kind of, he kind of winks at you. Uh, I see. Uh, (laughs) Some 20 years ago, she, we've been together ever since. I like to say that it's some sort of psychological disorder that she wanted to stay with me, but you know. She argues with me every time, and he smiles fondly at her. And then, and then the servants bring the second course, and <laughs> you guys eat for a while. Every every time there's food in front of him, Gideon is delighted and and enjoys the meal. Gideon is a hungry boy. <laughs> Why don't you make an in, make an insight roll for me? <laughs> this is gonna go horrible, and I'm gonna laugh so bad. Oh gosh. Oof, it did go horrible. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my mods are. You're not quite a fan of the elven food. We'll we'll say the the first course was good, but the second course you're just yeah, like, kind of is, like what like what what what's the protein? Is this mostly like vegetarian or? I think the second course is like a. It's like, uh, I'm picturing like an overripe melon that has been split split in half, and then some of it carved out and they filled it with like almost a gelatinous like jelly like substance and then (laughs) like it's got this weird like this is obviously some sort of fancy high noble food i think it's a combination it's not necessarily the taste i think it tastes fine but it's a combination of the texture and the aroma that uh (laughs) 
me, it's even making Gideon's uh, head swim a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Brett in the chat goes, or is it Jam? <laughs> I rolled insight to see if EB would like it. I got a 12. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I don't think EB minds it at all. I think EB would be like, oh, this isn't bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite thing is jelly and jam discussion. It's so it's so dumb that that has become an inside joke, all because Gideon panicked and threw a wine bottle. <laughs> to be fair, I've made the jelly and jam discussion before yeah. that with like guards. Like I think I, it's my go-to when people are just talking, like they're mm-hmm. just discussing jelly and jams. It was the the guards in the prison. Oh, you're <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. And then there was another one. There was another one where guards were talking about. Yeah, James I think that jealous. might have been in a text space that time. Okay, yeah. I was trying to remember what the... I don't... Nah, I don't know. Oh, anyways. <laughs> um, After this course is taken away, he he kind of... <laughs> I think he, he noticed your distaste. Because uh, some of our meals aren't for everyone. It It takes a refined palate to to stomach this stuff sometimes and like he just kind of you hear his stomach growl a little bit like (laughs) uh evie is gonna say uh through their link oh would you look at that general i have a refined palate (laughs) well i think you could look at the company you keep and know that idiot kind (laughs) of chuckles through the bond (laughs) so I'm glad it's you, General. Yes, I hope it doesn't seem dramatic to say this feels a bit like fate, General Everest. I, if it had been anyone else, I, I don't think we'd be sitting here. It's true. He nods and he goes, I was hoping to make a connection on your side who would possibly work along the same lines maybe you know two parallel oh what's he two what and he looks toward his wife and then he looks back at you I, i'm sorry i what would be two well you're from loophole so smiths like two smiths working on the same project but two different parts that will once we're done will go together like like a puzzle piece, I guess. I'm assuming Smith's work like that. Do th- and he like glances at you like, do that. And he shakes his head. I wear the armor, but it does not mean I know how it is made. You know. Um, okay. Smith's can indeed have different styles of, you know, performing their craft. Um, but you'd be surprised. How often that is complementary rather than contradictory. Some of the strongest pieces of equipment that I have seen made, some of the most creative and effective inventions I have seen concocted have come from the collaboration of two people with very disparate ideas and backgrounds. Two links in the chain that look entirely different, but are all the stronger for the other being there. He nods. Yes. I think you get it. I'm hoping we can forge this bond stronger 
Maybe the sun can finally set on this endless war. It does us no good to continue down this path, General. Not the one that you and I are hopefully beginning to walk tonight, but the one that both of our peoples have been walking for far too long. He nods. Yes, I agree. (sighs) Well, maybe we should turn this to a happier subject, or... So are you married, General Morningstar, he says. Gideon grins. Um, No, I've been pretty single-mindedly focused on my military career most of my life. Um, (laughs) Single-minded, I get it. (laughs) Evie tries to hide a chuckle. (laughs) You're allowed to laugh, he says, leaning towards you a little bit. (laughs) It was a good joke, and his wife rolls her eyes behind him. Uh, yeah, I think I and think like, Gideon's grin becomes like a, just a full blown smile. Um, D- Dahlia like signals something, but like none of you d- does. Eb know thieves can't. Eb does not know okay. thieves can't. So none of you do. But then you hear like a giggle from the corner where Ada is, and like she's like looking up over her book and like chuck and just giggling at whatever her mother signed at her. Um, <laughs> I I have, if I'm honest, I have been giving that some thought of late, but there are still many things that the Commonwealth demands of me, and frankly, after tonight, I'm I'm not sure there's not even more on my plate. Um, he does look down at the empty space in front of him, wondering if there's perhaps a third course coming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, I. The, <laughs> Yeah, you look down and like the servants take that as a sign and immediately they bring over plates and this time it's like the main protein. It's like a large venison steak and like covered in with, hmm, what do we want to put with venison steak? My my desire is to go completely weird with this, like stuff that would just not, you would usually want to put with things. <laughs> just mm-hmm. speaking. Um, I think it's, like, it's just a a large, like, two-inch thick venison steak adorned with, like, sautéed radishes. Um, They are. (laughs) Spicy, too. And, like, and then, Mm -hmm. like, as they put down the plates, the servants, like, pour, like, pull out a little ladle and, like, pour, like, a red sauce all over it. And then bow as they walk away, and, like, you cut into the steak, and it is, like, just the perfect temperature, and the sauce is, like, a, like, a, almost a, uh, a beet, like, a red beet sauce. And then, uh, I'm not gonna make you roll inside, this is delicious. I think after, (laughs) I think after he takes the first bite, you know, Gideon savors it, and kind of just lights up, um, and... Tries not to eat too fast, but is having to fight himself at every uh, moment not to just bolt this thing down. Yeah, Evermiss, like, immediately cuts into it and just starts taking some large bites. Like, he's just so happy. Um, Dahlia, like, signals them not to drop the sauce on it. And then she, like, pushes the, the radishes out of the way and just cuts into the venison. Um, and you guys just enjoy, like, the, the protein of the meal. Um... I think the first course was like a salad, just because I have to throw that out there now that I've named all the other courses. The first mm-hmm. course is like a, a like a light salad, so probably it wasn't bad, but it was like okay, when's the real food coming? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, this one goes away. 
they take the plates after you guys have consumed the deer. Uh, <laughs> they like to say that that's the Serenian cut. You know, nice and thick and uh, just a little bit blackened, you know, in honor of the fire that the Serenian hind can breathe. But I don't know how much of that is true. My compliments to the chef that was old wives expertly sales. prepared just the right crisp on on the outside with just the right amount of tenderness on the inside that was absolutely delicious yeah they like the way the radishes kind of counter the the savoriness of the steak and then they do this this be- that sauce is just it just brings it all out it's it's one of my favorite meals i asked specifically for it for this for tonight i figured you would be a man of refined taste and he starts chuckling I saw your maneuvers. He puts a little emphasis on the word um, <laughs> over the course of yesterday and today. And I, I have fought against your soldiers enough to, to know that this is, in fact, all for show. Um, I don't know if I can't imagine that you expected this. I know I certainly didn't, but perhaps this is why you're truly here. And if so, I am. I'm grateful that it is my good fortune to have gotten to meet you here. Yes, it's both of our good fortunes. I'm, I'm quite, quite, I'm quite, (laughs) I'm quite happy with the way this has turned out. I, I hope that we, uh, that we can exchange letters in the future. Maybe keep our, each other up to date on some things. Um, how much longer, um, if I may, how much longer do you intend to have your forces camped out here? Oh, we'll be leaving in a few days. I figured once meeting you, I I couldn't. And he, he glances at Dahlia again, and she like signs something at him, and he nods, and then goes, We stayed longer than we should have. We were waiting to see who would show up. We were prepared to pull up yesterday, as soon as we met you, if if, if it would have looked like a fight. Uh, you know, we're sent to test the waters and to see how quickly your your people respond and... How receptive will the rest of your leaders be to what is sure to be an uneasy truce on my end? Not not for me, you understand. This is just a it's a precarious position we're putting ourselves in general. He He doesn't snort. He wouldn't snort. He sighs. There are some in the court who think the same same way that I do. That this war has gone on too long and the differences of race should not be should not be the deciding factor on where borders lie. But there's other factions that think we should be pushing to take all of it, and that, that you know, my race should be the leaders of us all. There was a time when I was younger, when the Commonwealth's interest, interests were protecting its people. I'm afraid... We've moved beyond that now. (sighs) Yes. 
I'm only I'm only a man, and even with my really obtained position, I don't wield as much influence as I'd like, as as I need to, for this to be successful. But you have my word, General Evermiss, that I will do everything in my in my power to promote these good relations, both amongst my troops and, and with my fellow generals. You have to understand, I, I have to be careful about the way I bring these things up, because if spoken to the wrong person or in the wrong way, it could be seen as seditious. But there are others in the Commonwealth who think the way that I do. They are not plentiful. But you have to start somewhere. He nods, and he he looks at you and Gideon, can I call you Gideon? It's been awkward all night just calling you General. I, it is rather stuffy, isn't it? Yes, my name is Miron. You can call right, me Miron. Miron, right. <clears throat> Gideon, elves live a long time. We play a long game. I don't expect you to affect changes overnight. I, I don't even know what you could do in a decade. But every little step forward helps. And if you can spread it, spread the... uh, I don't even know what to call it. If you can promote this opinion, then maybe in 10 or 20 years, people who follow after you will push more. And in 50 years, maybe... There will be a change. We know how successful that's been. Hmm. There's always hope. Um, do we have like wine or something that has been paired with with our meal? Yeah, they, I actually meant to say that I forgot. Yeah, they they after the the steaks they actually brought out like wine bottles and then like instead of stopping talking they brought out a dessert with them. Dessert wine. So it's dessert wine, and, like, it's set in front of you. It's, like, a chilled fruit with these wines. And then Miron, like, took a bite and then kind of started talking again. And, like, you can tell this is more casual. This is, you don't have to not talk during the meal now. <laughs> so, I think yeah, he... most of the reason Gideon hasn't talked during the meal so far is not out of politeness, but because... He's a hungry boy. <laughs> yep. He likes to eat. Um, especially when, when he was um, tearing into the venison. But uh, he lifts his glass um, and says, the progress, Mirren. And looks at Dahlia and says, Dahlia, the hope. What was that? Sorry. He, he lifts his glass. You looked at Dahlia. And, 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 no, oh, two yeah, and okay. he did, yeah, he just addressed uh, okay. each of them. It was in, a, in turn. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought for a second you had, like, specifically looked at Dahlia and just said to hope, and then I realized you were doing, like, a cheer type thing. Like, yeah, a, it's, yeah. A, it's a, a toast. Okay, a toast. Okay. <laughs> I was, like, really confused for a minute. Like, wait a minute. You you what? Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they raise up their wine glasses, and, like, Evermiss says to hope, and Dahlia just nods. Evie um, raises his glass. He doesn't say anything, though. And... I think you you have like another half hour of kind of uh, idle I actually have chatter. something if you don't mind. Um, okay, I'll, I I mind. <laughs> you mentioned <Go> <laughs> games. 
Um, I've never been fond of political games. I believe a man, um, excuse me, I believe someone should say what they mean and be plain about it. That is the best way forward to understanding. But there is a game I'm rather fond of. Um, do you play Dragon Jess? He chuckles. Of course. It's it's a favorite among the generals in the Covenant. Um, could I interest you in a game? Would you like to play a game? All right. <laughs> All right, Jigsaw. <laughs> Boy, I thought this was going well until he, that. That was he, rather sinister. <laughs> <laughs> he smiles and goes, of course, that would be wonderful. I mean, like, I think... He like does like a hand. It's not. It's not thieves can't. He does a, a motion to a servant, and the servant like just walks out of sight for a split second and comes back with like a a, a little box and unfolds it. And it's just a a mobile like a you know. It's just a a carrying case for dragon chest chess. And he's like, I always have this close at hand. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, perhaps, or whatever, um, before we met, I thought we might have to cross swords, but this is, this is also a good way to come to an understanding of one another's tactics and test the waters, if you will, and frankly, a much more pleasant way. I'd be very interested in a game. Let's do that. Are we actually going to play? No. Um, I, I like this image as, like, the cutoff, like, it... It kind of like the camera fades away, like pans off as and then you we fade to black. I think it, like it pulls out, like it goes to like an overview and like fades away to where you can see the entire camp, but just zooms out slowly so you can see Gideon and Mirren like setting up the dragon chest as Eb and Dahlia just watch. Maybe Dahlia gets up and like walks over to Ada and they chat for a moment and then she comes back and it's just like a nice peaceful time and then it zooms out more and you can see the two armies facing off with you perfectly in the center and the night goes later um and at some point if, you, if you go you if leave Jackie will allow i think evie is watching and maybe even trying to give gideon advice and gideon's like so, you know saying <laughs> through the bond like stop stop it I, stop it. I, I, i've got this that's not fair <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I think he would do it, like, because I, I like to imagine that Evie's a little playful. I think he would be trying to, like, it's, it's fuck just, with you. Just actually. <laughs> I, think, I think, I th- Dahlia, yeah. like, goes and sits beside Evie, like, just sits beside him. She doesn't mm-hmm. say anything because it, it's hard for her to actually speak. Like, she can yeah. get, it's very quiet and raspy when she does. But she signs something at Miron, and Miron looks at her and goes, and he goes, no, you can't bet on me. No. Um... <laughs> We're not betting on this game, Dahlia. And he, then he looks at Evie. Like... She, she, she wants to bet five gold that Gideon will will win. <laughs> uh, it's delightful. <laughs> Evie, Evie, like slides the gold to her, or like holds out the gold. Like, yeah, feel I'll do free that. if you want to to establish <laughs> a sense like... bond with Dahlia in this moment. That'll allow her to actually speak. Oh yeah. She she like. <laughs> She sets the gold on the table and like the game's going on and you guys are paying attention and like you glance down at one point and the gold's gone and then you realize that Ada's not nearby anymore either. 
and like Dahlia <laughs> looks down and you see her sigh and roll her eyes a little bit, but also like she smiles. <laughs> and then we zoom out and away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're done. We're done with the scene. But, and I, this is where we're going to wrap it up. And this is the part oh, Carson's been God. dreading. <laughs> All right. You guys. What's this part? You guys play probably late. Well, it's pretty late into the night. And then finally you you retire. You've had some good drinks. You and EB go back to your camp and settle in for the night. You probably actually sleep pretty hard, but you're you're woken to the sounds of yells and the clattering of hooves and people are donning armor and you have to come out of your tent and you can look out and see your armies preparing because the elven army is marching toward them. And I think there's, like, a large amount of confusion in Gideon's mind at the moment. And then, like, a messenger runs up to E.B. and hands off a message, and E.B. carries it over to Gideon. And you look down, opening it up, and the message just reads that assassins attacked during the night and killed General Evermist. And that they were human assassins. And so now the elves are coming because you killed their Gideon general. Wasn't sleeping in his armor and and rushes um, to get out in front of his troops to meet um, the Covenant army, and and does his best to appear non-threatening. Um, and before he goes, gives commands to his um, lieutenants um, to to lay down arms to stay stay their arms. That this is this is not to become a skirmish under any circumstance uh and is prepared um to give himself up would like to speak with dahlia if at all possible um and asks e- e- asks eb to come with him um because it, it might be helpful to be able to speak to dahlia that way since it is so painful for her to speak otherwise gideon rides out with eb in tow but before you can make it across the field arrows darken the sky and because we're because we're in backstory mode and because we're ending the session the arrows i think gideon gets hit by maybe maybe multiple arrows and the last thing like he his vision fades as eb's like pulling him trying to pull him to safety away from the elven army that is marching and he so he doesn't get involved. He stays in the conscious fight, enough. But when he wakes for, up while Evie is dragging him to to safety, maybe behind cover, behind a rock or or, or something of the sort. Um mm-hmm. and says to Evie, consider our debt repaid before passing out. Yeah. And I think when you wake up, the battle's done. The Elven forces were pushed back and they finally went back across the river heavy losses on their side and your side but like time kind of moves forward and you're given awards for defending against the Jazrael's push into commonwealth territory and you the know whole who thing really showed like, out in this conflict don't you hmm. a young and rather handsome soldier uh, named Stuart <laughs> no that's hilarious though <laughs> No, um, the, um, 
Ted. <laughs> the um, soldier who would later come to unseat Gideon. Yeah, I think uh, in, in like his Private Lucius is just a young and new. Maybe, but he maybe even a, maybe even shine. a captain. Maybe even a captain, like not a lieutenant, not a I commander. Mean, this but is... It's fifteen well, years the, ago. He'd be the... really young. You're yeah, right. yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking. I think he would just be fresh into the army, but he does really well. He's like one of the main pivot points where the, they pushed back the Jazrael Covenant. Was like he stood his ground, even though he was just a lowly private, and he managed to basically fend them off and that kind of marks him for promotion and that starts his whole chain of 15 years later replacing Gideon but but for now Gideon is seen as the hero general even though you were out for the entire battle and but your forces are the ones who pushed them back and your forces are the ones who defended against their unprovoked onslaught on the side of the commonwealth whereas on the side of the covenant they saw this as a an unnecessary attack. Um, I would I would like if we do more of Gideon's backstory for Gideon to have had an opportunity to speak with with Dahlia. Um, oh yeah, I plan on that. Okay. <laughs> Jackie, do you um, know anything about the- Lucius? This character I've just brought up kind of out of nowhere. Very yeah. handsome soldier, the guy who unseated Gideon as a general. Uh, very popular amongst um, the women of the Commonwealth who refer to him as General Luscious. <laughs> I, I have it set where, like, Gideon is, what, Gideon's in his mid-30s when he becomes a general? Um, he's Early 30s? Probably. He's, he's early 30s. Um, yeah, because yeah, he's, what, 46, 47 yes. right now? So yeah, so he's like thirty-two or so, and I have it set up where Luscious Luscious becomes general like a year before, like a year younger than Gideon was, and so they talk about how he's the youngest general ever and all this stuff because he became a general so young, whereas like you know fifteen years earlier Gideon was the youngest general. <laughs> he's just one up and uh huh. But next, I do have next session planned. Actually, I've had this entire backstory planned. Uh, for we like, talked about this know, for the first time ago. a long time ago. Yeah. Well, maybe yes, if you're involved, Brett, Brett you can definitely play Luscious. Um, so next session, we're gonna. It's gonna be a lot more of quick scenes of little things that happen through time. Like we're literally gonna jump through 15 years of your your timeline. Um, uh, we might even have you interviewing Caden and Temper post uh, the the keep and the loss of your paladin apprentice killed by Nort. Damn it, oh, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that session he will... He didn't even give me a chance to stop him. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Um, and then that session is actually going to end with Luscious challenging you. So we're not going to the last one is the day after Gideon you were version? defeated. Like we're not going to do the fight oh, with Luscious. Okay. There was a, uh, someone who was apprenticing directly under Gideon, a paladin um, that Nort killed during the raid on, on the keep. The last, the last job that you guys pulled. Yeah. <laughs> You're such an ass. <laughs> uh, yeah. He had surrendered and gone to his knees and Nort stabbed him in Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Brett just bashing the text. 
All right. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> You're such a tool. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wrecked him. He was a kid. Uh, he was a kid. He was like 18. Uh. Oh, yeah. You're probably going to meet him, too, before that happens. I'm totally going to bring him in as, like, a new recruit. He's just learning to understand you. Um. Adventuring Dimwits and Hyperactive Dragons is brought to you by a bunch of friends who decided to record their sessions just for the heck of it. Check out our Facebook and Tumblr at Adventuring Dimwits. To check out more of the world and our text-based adventures, join our Discord server. The link is in the episode description. Music provided by Parker Hyde, and I'm Orion, the DM. Catch you later!